Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Man, why don't you turn to a few people and just say good morning and welcome them to church. I'm glad y'all chose to brave the tornadoes today. Hopefully they don't actually show up. You know, I guess we're going to get some crazy weather here in a little bit, and so let's, uh, let's get out of here and, and be safe. Amen? Uh, can we just give it up for our worship team? These guys are always killing it, man. Charity's voice is beautiful and always, always uh, on point. One of the things, I, I love that song, Amazing Grace. Uh, if you don't know the history of that song, it's, it's really, really a beautiful story. It is a former slave trader turned pastor who actually mentored the man who ended the British slave trade in Britain. And just this beautiful story of God's, uh, of God's amazing grace. And so um, today we are going to talk about, uh, uh, really, we're going to pause on the regular scheduled program as always. Uh, throughout 2020, 2021, we had a, a number of conversations when it came to uh, reconciliation, race, justice, uh, pain, the, the last 400 years uh, how we are here, what is the church called to do, what are we supposed to look like. Um, you know, when I started this journey, one of the things the Holy Spirit really spoke to me very, very clearly was that we, we would be very diverse. And, and I knew that God had called me to lead a diverse church. Uh, sadly, Sunday is still one of the most segregated days of, of the week in America, uh, but not in this church. Amen. And I think you ought to give yourselves one more huge, huge hand for that. Uh, because there's a lot that goes, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, and, and so it was really one of those things where I just knew the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and I thought, okay, God, we, we are going to uh, do everything we can as a church and as a people to, to have, I, I really feel that healthy families can have hard conversations. And, and, I, and I, there's, no, there's no easy way, right, to approach these conversations. There's, there's so much pain and injustice and hurt, and, and it's very layered. Um, and so we had had a number of these healthy conversations, I think, in 2020, 2021, uh, that have helped us become a healthier and godlier uh, church family. And today, uh, what we said last year, and, and I really meant it, and we're going to always do this, on, on the Sunday, you know, where it's, where it's MLK Sunday, Monday, we're going to pause and we're going to continue this conversation as a church family. And uh, what's exciting for me is it seems that God is beginning to do some things underneath where we can really start participating in this more and more locally. And so that I'm very excited for. So we don't just want to talk and teach and preach on it. We want to begin to, to do certain things, in, at least in our community. Uh, some of these things I cannot solve on a national level, uh, but we, I think we can take a phenomenal amount of ownership for our streets. Amen? And, and I think as a local church, this is very good for us to look at the, the radius around us and say, these are our streets. We are the local lighthouse. And while we may not be able to control everything nationally, or internationally, we can have a phenomenal impact on, on our surrounding area. And if you look at the church, we're designed to be the, the hope of the world, right? We're the, we're the light. We're the city set on a hill. And, and the local church, I think, should dominate its locality. And that, that we should be Jesus, his hands and his feet, right where we are. And that through this thing, the local church, we can make a phenomenal impact um, around the world and, and really start right where we're at. And so uh, that's really the essence and the heart of today. What I want to do today is to celebrate Dr. King's life and his speech. I, I'm going to take some excerpts from, from his speech, which is, if you've never heard the speech in its entirety, can I encourage you to go home and Google it and, and watch the entire thing? It's incredibly moving. It's more relevant now than it's probably ever been. It's just an incredible 
the way that he, he was a phenomenal communicator and preacher, um, and, and just the way that he used language and imagery and, and incredible, and, and obviously it touched the heart of millions around the world. And so what I want to do today is I want to take some excerpts from his, his speech, and I want to approach this first from a theological standpoint of, of why we stand the way we stand as a church. What's, what's amazing about us is, is I feel like I've replanted this church this last year. Uh, we planted, COVID hit. I had a different church before COVID. I had a different church in COVID. We've had a different church outside of COVID, um, and which is amazing and beautiful. So I feel like we're just really a year in our story. I feel like I planted a church. We've survived year one. Um, and so today I, I want to talk about uh, a basement conversation. What, what are some foundational things we believe as a church as we go forward. And so that today, I think it's a really appropriate time to, to pause and say, why do we believe what we believe when it comes to uh, humanity and race and identity? Um, and and why, why are we diverse? And what, as we continue to grow, why do I even believe we will continue to grow uh, with all kinds of colors and cultures and countries? Uh, and I, and I, there's, there's part of, again, I think, that, again, what God's called me to but there's a, there's a reason we have this, and, and I want to talk about that today. Um, and so I, I want to hold up the first quote I want to quote from his speech. And, and Dr. King actually pulls from the Declaration of Independence for this one, uh, which, which I find interesting and, and powerful. And, and he says, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, and, and he says, For America to truly become a great nation, we must embrace what we said we were going to be at the very, very beginning. And, and so he sees that the founding fathers had certain things right, uh, but they also had certain things wrong. That, and this is such a human thing for us to do as humans. We will sometimes include ourselves in our clique while excluding someone else. And as the church, how many of you know that we are to include all people? That we want plenty of space for people and no space for prejudice. Amen. And so Dr. King really calls this essence out, and, and, he, and he does it in a very powerful way in his speech. And he says, he says, hey, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created, created equal, which, which actually, if you look at the Bible, is a very biblical statement. And, and I want to talk about where we get this concept in the Bible, because we're a church. We want to we build all of our beliefs from the Bible. Amen. Like, like, I don't care who says what on Instagram. What does the Bible say? And, and I think our entire generation needs set free from it. doesn't matter what's said on TikTok. What does the Bible say? What did Jesus say? I, I, I don't want to, there's, there's a couple different ways to approach scripture. One is called an exegetical approach, which is, which is where I'm exposing the passage. I'm bringing out what the passage says, um, and it doesn't mean exit Jesus. It, it, it's a different way to approach a passage. Uh, or, or we can eisegete, which means I'm putting myself on the passage. I think so often in our modern cultures, we put ourselves on a passage, you know, the way that we look at the world and the way that we see things, and we make it say what we want it to say instead of exposing God's word and letting it speak to us and change us. As you and I read our Bibles, I don't want to change the Bible. I want the Bible to change me. And what we often do is we'll read the word and we change it so that it says what we want it to say, but it's way more complicated than that. <laughs> God, God is working on all of us. And so, uh, so but this, this is a very biblical idea, this idea of equality. Let's go back to Genesis 1, um, and I want to start in 26 to 27. This is God talking. He says, let's make man in our image. According to our likeness, right? And then let them rule over the fish and birds and everything. Verse 27 says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them in his image. We, we call this, theologians call this the Imago Dei, okay? Um, and it just simply means made in his image. This is the Imago Dei. You are Imago Dei. You are made in the image and likeness 
of God. R- regardless of the culture, the, the color, the country you come from, you are God's image bearer. God put his stamp, his image, his likeness on you. Everything that is good, valuable, worthy of love, respect, honor, and kindness comes from your creator. There's a lot of things in life that, that are distinctions between different people of cultures and countries, but, but we all have one thing in common. We have the same creator. Can I get an amen? And everything that is truly awesome about me comes from him and his stamp on us is this imago day. Psalms 139 says, I'm going to give thanks to you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Job 10 says, your hands fashioned and made me together. Genesis 2, 7 says, the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils a breath of life and man became a living being. He became a living being. Job 33 says, the spirit of God has made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me this life. Why, why do we as a church believe that everyone is worthy of, uh, of loving and respecting and kindness and value? We as a church, we get this, we, we gather this from the Bible because we have the same creator. We have the same creator. So when, I, when we look at someone as a church, we're building our entire fre- reference of mind from the Bible. We're building our worldview from the Bible. When we look at a person, the first thing we see is Imago Dei. I see there is an image bearer of God. They have God's nature and breath breathed in the in them. The reason they're living and breathing and all these things, the reason they're animated is because the Holy Spirit breathed in them. And, and therefore, they are worthy to, to love. In fact, the Bible says the only debt that we even owe each other is to love each other. Isn't that amazing? I don't owe you $1,000 today, right? Uh, I mean, my, my mortgage payment I got to pay, but I, I owe them. But I, I don't owe you. But I owe the debt to love you. Wow, what a, what a thought, this Imago Dei. Uh, the Bible also says in Romans 3.23 that we've all sinned. We've all sinned and fallen short of the, the glory of God. That, that's another equalizer. Every single person you come in contact with has fallen short of God's glory. They, they have sinned. So we believe, yes, we, we've all been made in God's image and likeness. Uh, we've all made a decision to sin and rebel against God and create our own moral standards and redefine morality. If you look at what Eve did, that's what, simply all she did. She grabbed the fruit and she said, this looks good. God said it wasn't good. She redefined it as looking good. And, and she took it and then she convinced her husband to do that, right? And, and husbands, you know it's really hard when your wives want you to do something, especially when they're naked, to say no, right? I mean, so it's just like, it's like, hello. Like, you know, of course Adam was going down. And so it's like, so you have, thank you for laughing a little bit there. That is just breaking the mood a little bit. And, uh, but, but it's like, they go down. And so the Bible says everyone has sinned. Everyone has sinned. Um, and so that's, that's another equalizer that we all share. And then those of us that have received the gospel and we've tasted Jesus as our Savior. Come on, somebody. How many of you know there is equal footing at the cross of Jesus Christ, that we've now been adopted into God's family? We've been brought into this beautiful family that redefines my entire life and identity. Uh, Galatians 3.28 says, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free. There's male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. What a beautiful picture that I, I now redefine my entire life as Christ uh, country, color, culture, that everything comes under the banner first of Jesus Christ, that I've redefined my entire life under, under Christ. Um, growing up, my mother was a wonderful woman. She, she loved Jesus. Um, when I was a junior high, high school, she really, really got on fire for Jesus, but she was a believer. 
And I remember when I was four or five years old, and, and she would tell me things like, hey, son, I just want you to know uh, that you're not better than anybody else, and, and you're, you're equal, they're equal. And, and she goes, no one's better than you. And she would just sow these little seeds in my heart. And so I, when I gave my life to Christ, um, I, I, it was very easy for me to bring in what the Bible says, because she was, what is she doing? She was training me according to the word of God, right? Uh, you know, love can get passed on, and so can racism, and so can prejudice. These things, you know, if you, if you look at a bunch of little kindergartners, they're all playing together. They don't, they don't care who's who, right? How, how, do, how does that happen to us? We, we learn, right? We're taught wrong. What the Bible does is it comes and confronts the wrong in our lives and, and gives us truth. And what does the Bible say? Truth sets us free. People that are bound by hate are also bound, right? They're, they're bound to something that is a deep, deep error in their life. And Christ has come also to set them free and then set us free as well. Uh, Revelation 7, I, and I love this. It says, there is a great multitude that one could not number from every nation, tribes, peoples, languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb of God. Uh, this is what heaven will look like. This is what heaven will look like. We as a local church are simply trying to be a microcosm of what heaven will look like. That is a beautiful thought for me. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a beautiful, beautiful thought for me that, that people from all over the world, different languages, everything is, is before and bowing down before Jesus. And what are we doing, guys? We're practicing for that day. Can I get an amen? Like, we're practicing for that day. As we come together, we celebrate each other, we worship together, uh, we're bowing down before Jesus. We are practicing for that day that, that is coming. We are simply a mini heaven on, on the earth. As, as, I, as I look at this weekend, one of the things that I think Dr. King got so right is, is the heart of reconciliation. And he was a pastor. Uh, he was a preacher, he was a communicator, a uh, phenomenal leader, but he was a pastor. And I can see some of his pastorship come through here. And I, and I want to quote this because the second thing I want to talk about today is reconciliation. So as a church, we believe fundamentally from the Bible that we have the same creator and we are all equals here this morning. And that is a profound belief that we want to carry. This is why we want plenty of space for all people, right, and no space for prejudice. Second thing is reconciliation. He says this in his speech, which I think is in so, so moving. Uh, you can pull that up for me if you, if you can, Edwin. He says, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. That, that does not cost me a lot to repeat this morning because my family was not really affected by slavery. I bet it carried a very different weight for him when he said it. And for all of my black brothers and sisters here today, I could imagine this carries a very different note and a very different weight for you this morning. God's heart is always reconciliation. When you look at reconciliation, it, and actually the dictionary says the restoration of friendly relations. When I look at reconciliation, because we don't want to just brush something under the rug. That's, that's never God's heart. It's never, it's never God's heart not to deal with something and just to say, oh, just say, get over it. That's not, that's not who God is. When you look at biblical reconciliation, it is a complete and entire newness made from repentance. And when you look at reconciliation, it's always the person or people that have been wronged, I feel like, have the harder journey back toward reconciliation. Because last week we talked about forgiveness, right? And on a personal level, isn't it interesting when someone hurts you, isn't it harder to come back to the place and the table of friendship? It, it really is. And, and yet here, Dr. King says, I'm dreaming and hoping for a day that former, you know, or, or the sons of former slave owners and the f some, uh, sons of former slaves can come together at, at the table of brotherhood 
and, and have friendship. He's dreaming of a world where love will replace hate. In fact, one of my favorite quotes is he says, hate is too great of a burden to bury, and, and we can't conquer hate with hate. We can only do so with love. It's just this very beautiful, very God-like way of thinking. Um, in 2 Corinthians 5.18, it says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We are all reconciled to God because of Jesus on the cross. He's forgiven us of our sins. He's brought us back to God. And then God gives us the ministry of reconciliation, that we are to help reconcile other people to God. And then, but sin, sin not only has broken our relationship with God, sin breaks our relationship with each other. And certain sins break relationships with other people in different ways. And what reconciliation is, is it requires forgiveness and it requires repentance. It requires the grace of God making us new. And then God is saying, I want to create this table of reconciliation where relationships can begin again. It's just a very, very beautiful picture. And God has given the church, his body, the ministry of reconciliation. One of the reasons we are diverse and we are healthy and we can celebrate everything is, is that are all people coming in is because we are serious about reconciliation. Reconciliation acknowledges the hurt, the pain, the sin that is there. Reconciliation acknowledges forgiveness. Reconciliation is pursuing people. It's leading with love. It's listening. It's patience. It's kindness. It's moving everything forward by the power of the Holy Spirit. We could not exist today as a church without the power of reconciliation. It's a beautiful, beautiful God, God-given thing. John 13, 35 says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. As you and I approach life and each other as Christ first, country, color, culture, which all those things matter, they do. I just don't know if anything matters more than Christ. I think Christ has the supremacy in his church. Can I get an amen? And as we approach Christ first and what he's called us to do, all of a sudden we can do what the world could never do and then show people how to do this thing. Isn't it interesting that Jesus didn't say, hey, it's the blessings that I will give you will prove to the world that you're my followers. He didn't say the miracles or the healings or the fact that I can walk on water and, you know, Peter did. He didn't say that. He said it's the way that you love each other is going to be so profound and so moving that people will look and say the only way that they could do this is because Jesus is real. That to me is such a staple. So as, as we talk about building a loving culture and a loving church, this is at the core of, of who we are as a church. The last thing I want to move into today for the next 10 minutes is the concept of, of justice. And, and I want to quote his final thing this morning from his speech. Free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. And he, he quotes an old spiritual. Galatians 5.1 says, it is for freedom's sake that Christ has set you free. Uh, we are the church. We are an agent of freedom and liberty and love and grace. Anytime religion or sin has entered the church, I think one of the first things it's always after is freedom, right? And, and so even, even in the early century, you see religion coming into the church, and they're trying to take believers' freedom away, and Paul says, no, stop, get away. He goes, they saw how free we were in Christ. Christ is the great liberator. And he will liberate you from yourself. He'll liberate you from your sin. He'll liberate you from your hurt, from your pain, from, from everything that we've gone through. He is the great liberator. And so when you have, you know, when, when you have an injustice done, it is an injustice done against God. It's an injustice done against pers- people. But the first thing God wants to do is to set people free. 
And so anytime you see oppression of one on the other or one race on another or a community on another or a tribe on another, you're breaking God's heart, first of all, and then God's heart is now moved toward those that are being hurt, and he's trying to bring them back into liberation. And you see the Holy Spirit moving toward freedom. And, and Dr. King is dreaming of a day where he said, we are free, free, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last, that the full work of God's freedom is, is done. And we, we have come a long way, I think, as a country and a people, but there's also a lot of work yet to do. And, and, and if, you're, if you're white this morning like me, can I first of all encourage you, um, let's, let's not maybe be defensive, but let's really open our head and our heart, regardless of where you sit in life or, or how you vote. Uh, but I think we could all get around the point, you know, if you're white or Hispanic today, what, don't, you, don't you want your family to be free? Like just completely free, right? I, I do. Why wouldn't we want that for our brothers and sisters in Christ? Right? And so I, I'm talking about something that maybe doesn't affect me personally and my family so much personally, but my, some of my dearest friends are, are black. Some of my dearest, closest people in this church are black. Wouldn't I want my brothers and sisters to be completely free? Right? So if you're here, here this morning, you've kind of tracked so far, and you're like, oh, Pastor Matt, don't, don't talk about the injustice or whatever making me a little uncomfortable. Track in there a little bit longer with me this morning because let's, let's lean in this together a little bit more. So, so far... A, a person from the black community is still five times more likely to be arrested. Uh, it's, it's largely disproportionately still, you know, still overrepresented in the prison system. There's still inequality in education. There, there's still some inequality. Uh, we're still feeling the effects of redlining. And so you might be here this morning, like, oh, Pastor Matt, I'm, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not trying to actively oppress them. And it's like, hey, that's great. I'm not saying you are. I'm not, I'm not saying anyone is guilty of anything they've not done this morning. Hear, hear my heart, okay? Uh, but but if somebody is being hurt and oppressed, don't you want them to be free? Uh, earlier this year, we planted a uh, Hubert and his lovely wife, Emma. We, we sent them to go plant a church, and they're building leaders right now. And I'm so proud of them, and we're supportive of them. In fact, he, he wanted to plant a church. He told his other church about it, and they kind of kicked him out really fast. And, and so he came to City Lift for two years, and I said, hey, sit. We love you. Let's grow together, and, and we'll send you when, when you guys say the time is right. And uh, Hubert and his lovely wife, um, they're, they're Haitian, and, and he, he told a story with me one time. He said, you know, Pastor Matt, when 2020, all this stuff happened, and we started talking and a lot of good, healthy conversations in the church, and he said, you know, every time I get pulled over, I, I, like my initial reaction is I, I just kind of start shaking, you know, like my, my hands will quiver, and I wonder, is this the time? And I remember how, how much that hit me because I, I've, when I get pulled over, I'm just thinking, how do I get out of the ticket, Right? Like, I've never, never once have I ever been afraid for my life. And I tell you, man, this last couple of years, you talk about something that brought it home for me. And I thought, man, the church's work is not done until Hubert feels the same way I feel when I get pulled over. Amen? I think we can all agree with that. I, I think we can all agree that, hey, I want every mom and dad to feel like their child has every opportunity to come home safe just like mine does. Amen? And so let's, let's track here a little bit on this justice because there is still some work to do. And like I said, what seems to be cool is God seems to be doing some things this year that I, I think we can start having some real practical impacts with some of this on a local level, and what I'm very excited for. And I, and I want us to engage it. And, it. and it's layered, and there's no way I can talk today about every single injustice. So if I didn't touch on injustice that maybe you feel like I should have, give me a little grace. That I, I don't have time to talk about every single one. But I, I do believe fundamentally as a church Anywhere people are bound by oppression, whether it's hurt, pain, others, racism, prejudice, we, the church, have the calling and the privilege to bring the liberation and freedom of Christ Jesus. Amen.
Amen. So let's get behind that and its, its essence because we want to set people free. I, I don't want them bound by anything in Jesus' name. So I think there's, there's a lot for the church to do. Um, I, I want to see the black community not, not just tolerated in this country, but celebrated, loved, respected, and honored. And you might be like, Pastor Matt, that's very naive, and you're far, far away from reality. I, I know I am, and I, I know we have a lot of work to do, but I believe this is the heart of God, and it should be the heart of the church, and let's start working toward it. Amen. And so I know we're dealing with reality. I know we have a long way to go, but I want to be a part of it. I, as a pastor, uh, the last couple of years have been very humbling for me. As a leader, you always want to have the answer. Uh, and I'm just going to be transparent with you. As a pastor and as a leader, you always want to have the answer. You always want to have the right words to say. You, you always want to know just what to do. And, and this last season, I have, I have really chosen a position of listening. I've realized, like, I'm going to be my best when I'm, when I'm growing by listening. And, and I'll tell you what. Like, I, I have learned a lot in the last few years. I, I grew up around Amish people, so I'm from the cornfields of Indiana. Most of my neighbors were Amish growing up. Uh, they're the people that believe in horses and buggies and no electricity. When my kids really act up, I'm going to threaten that we're going to turn Amish. And uh, I had my daughter crying one time. No iPad! You know, I was like, okay, probably a little too serious, you know. Uh, but, but it was, I, I had my entire childhood in a very closed uh, system. It was a very closed cultural system, and so... One of the things that I've learned as an adult is that the experiences and the, the upbringing that I had is very, very different than what, what many, many people experience in this, in this country. Um, and, and experiences load us with feelings and emotions and attitudes and mindsets. And so I have really learned as an adult, man, if I'm going to lead well and I'm going to represent the, the kingdom of heaven, I'm gotta, I've got to lead with love and I've got to lead with listening. And so I just want to transparently say I do not have all the answers to all of these things, but I want to be a part of the conversation that does. Amen. And so this morning, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have it all figured out. But would you choose to be a part of caring about it and then choosing to be a part of the conversation to move this thing forward? Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us this morning. Heavenly Father, I hope I was able to convey your heart for your people today as best I could. Lord, you do love us all. We are these imago Dei. We, we are the image bearers of you. And, and Lord, none of us are, are fully responsible for how we got here. Um, we're not responsible for the world that we've inherited, but, but I believe we are responsible for the world that we will leave as an inheritance. And so, Father, uh, it, it may not be our fault, but I believe today it is our fight. God, that we are called to be liberators, to, to set people free in Jesus' name, that we are the church, that we, we change the world through love and serving and reconciling and showing what human relationships might look like under the banner of Christ. And so, Father, today for those of us that maybe are feeling um, insecure or maybe have never cared about this issue before, I pray that you'd fill us with a heart of care Maybe those that are struggling with forgiveness, I pray that you would help us heal and forgive. And those that maybe have never picked up this banner before to help liberate others, might they begin to get a little anger and a little fire under them to say, no, I, I won't stop until all my brothers and sisters are free. And so, Father, we thank you, and, and we just want to come humbly before you, saying, Father, we don't know how to do all of these things. We don't know how to approach all of these issues, but we believe that love and freedom and honor and respect and care is the end result because of Christ. And for that, we will pursue it with all we have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. 
Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing week.